0: Hello, before we get into this very special episode in which you'll join me in conducting a paranormal investigation at the Bowes Railway Museum, I wanted to make you aware that over on the Patreon is an extended version containing additional audio from the night. This version of the Bowes Railway Museum investigation is available right now, and it's over 4 hours long in duration. It's available on the £3 tier and above, and what's more, to celebrate spooky season being just around the corner, There's now a 7 day no-strings trial available on the £3 tier, so you could sign up and hear this very special episode and all of the other monthly Patreon specials, which include the National Railway Museum, Haggerston Castle Holiday Park, Dalhousie Castle Hotel and York Dungeon. You can get access right now at patreon.com forward slash pod. And with that, on with the show.
1: I'm Rob Kirkup, welcome to How
0: Haunted, a weekly paranormal podcast where each episode we explore the horrible history and terrifying ghost stories of one of the scariest places on the planet. In episode 56, we begin a very special series of episodes. Last week, we looked at the haunting museums of Tyne and Weir, which included the Bose Railway Museum, and this week, you'll join me as part of a paranormal investigation I conducted at the former Railway Museum in August of this year, 2023. Not only will I tell you every aspect of what happened throughout the evening, but you'll hear audio from the night itself, so you can hear what happened exactly as it happened. Tonight, in the first of a three-part special, let's head to Sunderland and ask just how haunted is the Bose Railway Museum.
1: Listener discretion is advised, as this episode features real audio from an actual paranormal investigation where anything could happen. Listen on, if you dare.
0: It was Saturday the 26th of August 2023 and the night I'd been waiting for all summer was finally here. I was on my way to carry out a paranormal investigation with my small team and I was buzzing with excitement about what this location might have in store for us after dark. Tonight should have seen John Crozier, Rich Stogo, my younger brother Tom and myself join Spiritus Paranormal Investigations to take on Bowers Railway Museum in Springwell Village in Sunderland. Bowes Railway is a location you'll have heard all about in episode 55 of How Haunted. However, Tom had tested positive for Covid, so we would have to give this one a miss. A pandemic such as Covid and the lockdowns and toilet paper shortages that it brought, not being something we'd have ever dreamt of the last time the four of us were together for a ghost hunt, way back in January 2015 at Chillingham Castle. You can hear how that night went by checking out the first ever bonus Patreon episode. We had experienced the worst summer in years. June was glorious, but July and August were largely a washout, and despite today being quite nice, there was an amber weather warning in place for the region tonight, with heavy thunderstorms promised for this evening. On my drive, through Newcastle upon Tyne it had started to rain, and I began to regret my faith in the British summertime, and not heed Richard's warning and suggestion that I should bring my big coat. Thankfully the rain stopped as quickly as it had begun, Rich, John and I met in the car park at the Bowes Railway. We caught up with one another and we grabbed our stuff from our car boots before making our way through the metal gates into the grounds of the railway museum. I commented that it was noticeable how quickly the nights were drawn in. It was only 7.45 and darkness had started to fall. The area outside of a building immediately to our right was filled with our fellow ghost hunters for the night, all chatting excitedly about our investigation that would run from about 8 o'clock until 2 in the morning. There was a buzz in the air as we walked through the group standing outside of the Bowes Railway Museum Café. My eyes met that of a man wearing a Spiritus Paranormal Investigations polo shirt and I introduced myself, already knowing who I was chatting to. This was Wayne, who I'd been exchanging emails with and who had kindly invited us to join the group that
1: night. Uh, Rob Kerger. Hello, Rob. How are you? Uh, mate. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm Br- Brought the lads together uh, again. This, this is Rich this is John. Rich. Hello, mate. How are you? Hiya.
0: Hiya. We warmly shook hands, and I introduced John and Rich to him. We then met Rob Davies. Rob runs the Dead Air YouTube channel. The link is in the podcast episode description. And is somebody that I've spoken to an awful lot, but never before met in person. He was going to be helping Wayne run tonight's investigation.
1: Rob, how are you going? I'm yeah, all right. Nice to meet you. Yeah, yeah, uh, this is the late Richard. Oh, I do have done investigations. How like. This is another Rob. Uh, two Robs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. How are really you doing? First time we have met you,
0: isn't it? Heard you, read you. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Hi. <laughs> the first time we met. The man, the myth, the legend. We were also introduced to Liam and Bronwyn from Spirit Stalkers, as there were two groups sharing the museum tonight. We were part of the Spiritist group, but we would see the spirit stalkers guys throughout the night. As we waited to get underway, due to a few people running late, Rob told us some of the happenings that staff had reported to him. As we chatted, I went in my bag to get my hoodie. As now the sun had gone down, it was already getting cold. Something I wasn't used to, considering it was still August. I was a little concerned to say that I was the only person at the event wearing shorts. Perhaps I'd completely overestimated the British summertime, I guess I'd find out as the night got underway
2: when you speak to the volunteers so I'm, I out here with Alan and done my own stuff here most of the stuff they see is outside but they get like um, poltergeisty stuff like one of those shops around there um, but it's a weird story so she says like stones will like little bolts will get thrown at you but they land in like neat piles on the floor so it's like you know when you're like poltergeist do like weird things like organising things and stacking chairs it's like that kind of
0: we went inside the building which was used as a cafe during the day a little after eight o'clock for a safety briefing by a member of the Bose Railway Museum staff. I was a little distracted as he was stood in front of a table which included a plethora of ghost hunting gadgets. So my eyes were drawn to all of the equipment that would be available to us across this evening. Photos of which are over on the Instagram at How Haunted Pod, along with lots of photographs that I took throughout the evening. With the short briefing over, Elaine was introduced. She was the other member of staff on duty, and she would be the one assigned to the group that we would be in across the night. This was followed by Wayne and Liam introducing themselves to the excited ghost hunters gathered before them. There was a group of around 25 of us split across the two groups, and it was almost entirely first-timers. At this point, Wayne asked for any sceptics to make themselves known, I immediately turned to John, sat on my right. He knew why. Rich looked over my shoulder and also looked directly at John. John is an ardent sceptic. We knew it, he knew it, but he chose to stay quiet. The briefing was brought to a close, with talk of chocolate, crisps, sweets, coffee, tea and Bovril going to be available at no additional cost to the ghost hunters when we got breaks across this evening. This was a nice touch, and John's eyes lit up at the mention of Bovril, It was like all his christmases had come at once for anybody listening who's not heard of bovril papso's listening overseas bovril is a difficult drink to describe but it's essentially a hot beefy drink like tea but beefy anyway john absolutely loves it so was now even more excited for what lay ahead across the rest of the night we were asked to get into our groups so we joined the spiritist guys the spirit stalker guys headed outside into the twilight and off to their first location I peered out of the window after a minute or so, and I could see that they were already way off in the distance. The majority of the group barely visible with the last drops of sunlight ebbing away. Liam and Bronwyn, leading the group, were easily recognisable however due to their bright orange Spiritstalker hoodies. Wayne was going to hang back and wait for a couple of people who were running late, so it was over to Rob to lead us to our first location, the blacksmith shop. The walk to our first location only took a couple of minutes. I looked to the sky, the moon was out. I wondered if the threat of a thunderstorm had passed or whether it was still on its way. The fourteen strong group were chatting excitedly, many of them having never put themselves in a supposedly haunted room before and asked aloud, encouraged and dared something otherworldly to make themselves known, to touch you, to speak to you, to affect you in some way. I wondered how long their laughing and smiling would last. Rob pointed to a high wall outside of an old building. The old building being the blacksmith shop. The wall has a road running past on top of it. Which we'd hear traffic coming from regularly across the night. He told us that somebody had told him that they'd witnessed a dark shadow walk along this side of the wall and then just disappear. But the wall stops where it meets the wall of the stables. And the wall of the stables goes right up to the wall the shadowy figure was walking along. So there's nowhere the figure could have gone They couldn't have gone into the building as the door to get in was not on the wall side of the front of the building they couldn't have climbed the wall as it's far too high with a mesh fence on top and they couldn't have gone down the side of the building as there isn't a gap the building meets the wall inside the darkness was immediately noticeable despite the old cobweb infested windows letting the last of the daylight through rich whispered to me how oppressive he immediately found this space elaine pointed out the old equipment tools And chains produced by the blacksmiths of the day right there in that room she asked if we wanted the lights off rob said yes and suggested that we start by asking out to anybody who might be with us rob spoke out into the darkness letting anybody know who may be there with us who we were and why we were there the relatively small room was quite cramped with 14 of us in it we were standing shoulder to shoulder in a circle there were a few pieces of paranormal equipment dotted around the room which you'll hear referred to in the audio. These included an AMF meter, which would sound if electromagnetic fluctuations were detected. These would most commonly be caused by electrical power sources. So we were all asked to make sure our mobile phones were in flight mode. But some believe that spirits can produce electromagnetic fluctuations too. There were also some cat balls. These were transparent plastic balls roughly the size of a golf ball. They've got LEDs inside of them, which will light up if the ball is touched. Despite these being created for cats to play with, it didn't take long for creative minded paranormal investigators to see the potential for them to be used on an investigation. You can ask a spirit to touch them, and if they oblige the ball will light up brightly in the darkness. We went around in a circle and we all introduced ourselves. It was very quiet, other than the occasional sound of the passing traffic outside. I spotted a huge spider in the window just behind where John was stood, but I thought better than to tell him considering his incredible fear of them. To be fair, it seemed to be far too busy eating a fly to bother with us anyway. The
1: chain made a shop, right? Um, so
2: they made all the chains for um, whatever they need Chains mm-hmm. for usually the wagons and things on the railing. Mm-hmm. And is this where you heard that oh, not, not? Not here. It was over the We're both in... Go to join me and I'll be able to show you where, where it came from. All right. But I was up, actually outside when I did. All right. Yeah. Right, do you want me to put my torch down? Yeah. Right, so, Still feels like it's the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> 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 okay, so I'm thinking maybe if we go around and just introduce ourselves. Um, we'll go around maybe in a circle. Say your name and introduce yourself to if there's any spirit that you believe is in here and just make them feel welcome that they can come forward if they want to make themselves known that they can do and that we've got the means for them to be able to do that so I'll start off Um, my name is Rob and we are just here to try and validate that you're still here your existence is still here and we're friendly, we just want to talk to you, find out as much as we can about you. And maybe you can tell us a story about yourself, why you're here and what your links to this area is. My name's Vanessa. My name's Julie.
1: My name's Rich. My name's John. I'm Rob, and you can do whatever you want to be, I don't mind. My
2: name's Josie Mayer. Oh my God. I'm Lily. I'm Verity. I'm Helen. I'm Elaine. They know me here as a volunteer. They've seen me here plenty of times. I would love to be able to communicate with them tonight. I'm Laura. I'm Rachel. So, ways that you can communicate with us. when right, buses go past. You can make sounds, you can make noises.
1: This, um... it's
2: oh, going on. Off The, the uh, K2? yeah everyone got their phones on? Oh, yeah, we might have the next thing Sometimes phones can flash them yeah. just keep an eye on it because it's, well, it's, it's, it's interesting. There's a in there. spirit there's a little grey box yeah. in this lady's yeah. hand. That box can pick up energy so if you are able to uh, interact with that with your own energy then we will be able to see that it might be a way that we can communicate with you we've also got some little balls on the forge there if you go near them they'll flash and record if you want to talk if you talk into the red light we'll be able to hear you as well if you want to affect any of us you can do whether that's letting yourself know, just tug on our clothes, maybe you can make a bang, make a tap sound. Your whistle will be able to hear you. People have said they've seen people around in this area before. If that's you, we would welcome you to come and join us tonight.
0: Rob led the session trying to ask out, but it was all very quiet. This was other than an incredibly loud fly which had somehow found its way in and a sound which something was a motorbike outside but those thoughts sounded like a man groaning. I personally hadn't heard anything other than the fly. Rob asked Elaine about Norman, one of the museum's resident ghosts, who isn't found in the blacksmiths, but in another building we would investigate many hours from now. Shh, I hear talking. One of the female voices in the darkness spoke out. She was right. It was Wayne with a young couple who'd got lost finding the museum and had turned up late as a result. They came to join us. Now Wayne was here, we discussed how best to make use of the space, given the group had just grown from 14 to 17. We were all in the blacksmith's room, however this room wasn't the full size of the building that we were in. This entire building would have once been the blacksmith's workshop, but it had now been separated at three separate rooms by partition walls. The room at the opposite end of the building was a meeting room, and the central, smallest room was a break room with tables, cupboards and a kettle. As the suggestion was being made that we could split into three groups and spread ourselves out throughout the building, there was a sudden commotion as the door to a little cupboard had just creaked loudly. I spoke up straight away as it coincided with somebody going outside and that door closed at the same time the cupboard door creaked. So my instant thought was that the cupboard door hadn't been fully closed by Elaine when she'd shown us inside that room a little earlier and the draft had caused it to move. This was tested and proved to be correct. As we were being split up into our three groups, I took the opportunity to discuss with John the ginormous spider he was now aware of on the window behind him. To my surprise, he was fine with it, and even said that he'd overcome his fear of spider somewhat over the last few years. We were split up into our three groups. Some went along to the far end, in the meeting room, some stayed in the blacksmith's room, and John, Rich, Rob, myself and two ladies from the group went into the central room, the least spooky of the rooms by far, and it was incredibly noisy, with Wayne and his group banging around loudly in the meeting room next to us. We were the smallest group, so we spread out around this small room. Looking at the fairly plain room, which the staff called the Bay Cabin, it was completely different to the eerie blacksmith room we'd just been in. But we had to remember what this room was used for back in the day, as this will have all been one huge blacksmith's workshop. We asked aloud for somebody with us to let us know. If anybody was trying to make contact, it would have been difficult to be completely sure the sound was in the room with us. Such was the noise coming from the groups either side of us. Rob spoke aloud to anybody who may have been with us. He said, there's an author here who may have wrote about you. That was me. I braced myself for any possible retribution from the ghosts of the blacksmith shop. It didn't come.
2: We are so far in the future now. Your energy in your life was in the 1900s, the 1800s.
1: We'd like to learn more about you. We mean you no harm. we are talking to the machine with the red
2: light on, we'll be able to hear you. If not, if you touch the balls, we'll be able to have answers that way. I understand a lot of these things might look a bit strange to you because they wouldn't have been around in your time. But they're completely harmless. Can't hurt you. Are
1: they? Yeah, you are like We have total
2: respect for you. The work you carried out here. We'd just like you to communicate with us. If you want to come and touch one of us, just so that we know you're here. I know lots of people in the day this was going didn't allow women to work on site, have come on site. How do you feel that there's women in your workplace?
1: Do
2: you want them to leave? Could you knock, whistle? Touch one of us just so that we know you're here.
1: I want to hear you guys whistle and see if we can whistle back. Which is an excellent whistle. I can't whistle. I can't whistle. Can't whistle. Not probably. Can you copy that?
2: an author here who's wrote about this place before in his books. Are you one of those people that he's mentioned or he's talked about?
0: Rob pondered aloud as, with the buildings here being built in phases, whether someone who was here before a building was built would be aware of the other buildings or simply walk through them as if they weren't there, as they weren't there when they were alive here. He once again discussed the ghost sighting just outside the building for the benefit of our female team members who hadn't heard it when he told us earlier. Looking at the illuminated screen on an electronic device, Rob commented that the temperature in the room was going up, but we would have expected it to go down, given night had fallen. We all jumped at a loud electronic beep. It was one of the girls' phones, although they insisted their phone was in flight mode, so the notification shouldn't have been able to come through. I spotted something out of the corner of my eye. A light in a window which straddled the partition wall, so we could see half of it in our room, and half of it was in the room next door. I saw a light, and then the light was broken by a figure. John could see better than me from the angle that he was stood at. And he confirmed that it was another ghost hunter in the room next door. It was a false alarm. The group from the blacksmith shop came into our room, and with the clock striking 9pm and an hour of our investigation over, we swapped with them. Our small group of six headed back to the darkness of the blacksmiths.
1: Is that a reflection in that window from next door? I think so, yeah. So there was a light in the, window, the yeah. window there, and there was somebody's head moved past somebody in the next bit were a torch. Is so like that light out there is It's freaking through. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, so and you were so moving
2: there
1: in the cars, you can see the, the light. There was definitely yeah. somebody in the, in the light that was in that window. There was definitely somebody, somebody in that office hall. Somebody moved past the light. Yeah, somebody oh, is there out somebody out there? there. Yeah. Right, that's fine. At least there's a t- the light probably. I just need somebody out. to tell us that. I don't know you eyes, I'm Not yet. It's got a dark The interesting thing
2: is, um, I know someone from a while ago had an experience. He was a complete skeptic, he had an experience where that wall outside and he saw a figure going on the wrong but on the side of the wall. But then when he went out to check, the building goes straight up to the wall, so there was no way they could have gone there. Yeah, yeah.
1: couldn't have got down the side, anything. and he couldn't climb up it because
2: it's got like a mesh on the top. Yeah. So she said the stables were there. There's those stables, all yeah. that. Yeah, the stables were on there, and the horses were kept. So maybe it was something that when that wall wasn't there, it's it's just moved. Mm. There's somebody in here that throws things at people because um, Amanda, who used to work here, she got um, someone threw a bit of metal at her. I am fancy getting that to one of us. us. So. Mm-hmm. I, that, I? Mm-hmm. Mine's just
1: went off on the notification
2: on flight like? That's oh, mm-hmm. I'm she got off
1: that. Do you know what that noise was then? Was it? Was that the sound that would have. Is that one? Normal. Oh, is it? Okay. Oh, so George. Hey, all right. I don't know if you'd want to swap over all Yeah, well, do you just have any luck? No. No. Did you get anything in here? No. No. no pretty this area these days is what we call the bean cabin. Mm-hmm. We'll leave them walls on there. Right. No, you can't. I don't know in there. Oh, okay. It's the time. Mm-hmm. Nine o'clock, we're swapping rooms. Cheers. Leaving the pit. The
0: room was noticeably darker than the room we'd just left, which seemed strange given the enormous window we had in this room. Perhaps it wasn't darker, and it was purely psychological, considering that this area of the building looked like it should be haunted. Rob noticed a slight reading on the EMF meter, so asked if everybody's phone was on flight mode, just as if we were flying off on holiday. Everybody confirmed that theirs was. Rob commented on a slight temperature rise since we entered the room, While reading the illuminated dial on a piece of equipment, his face glowed an eerie green as he spoke. I found this odd for two reasons. Firstly, the group which had just left the room was bigger than ours, so the body temperature in the room would have been higher before we entered compared to now, with our smaller number. Secondly, it was absolutely freezing cold. I had not experienced cold like this in months, probably back in May before the summer began. I felt cold to my core, and said as much saying I could feel a swirling breeze moving quickly around my legs. Others agreed that they felt far colder in here than in the previous room, and as we talked, one of the women in our group said that she saw a ball of light move around my legs. She thought it might be the headlights from a car shining through the windows, but it wasn't. Rob asked out, if this was somebody with us, please let us know. There's a draft
2: somewhere Everyone's calling it definitely on flight mode. Yeah, percent. Yeah. Oh, because if you're going to an airport... Yeah. So it should be like that? Yeah, because uh, it... The, was the, like that before, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. that's when it went off in the other room. Yeah. That's interesting, because um, usually, I mean, if you take phones out of the question, you know, it's got to mm-hmm. be some sort of electronic interference. Yeah. Um, and obviously in the room like this, you've only got the lights, and it's very much as it would have been. I'd say this picked something up as well, mm-hmm. but this is also showing the temperatures gone up to fluctuate between nineteen point nine and twenty point one. See, I think it feels really
1: cold. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't it's feel frig- yeah, twenty. Well, like I just because there's a draft or something coming through. But... Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Saw, yeah. I was checking there. Did you see where that came from?
2: There was a little ball of light around the back of your legs. I was just looking to see when that car was to see if it was doing the car. wasn't, it, it was just a little ball of light just went right up your legs. That is a spirit, and uh, I know it's difficult, it's not easy to communicate or to manifest if we can't see you. But if that is a way that you are making your presence known, or
0: you are present, then it's working. Keep doing it, if you're happy doing do it. Rich told us how unsettled he'd felt when he first came into this room, and we discussed some of the terrible, tragic accidents that happened right here. Many of the trains transporting coal down to the River Tyne operated under gravity. The tracks would be built on a gentle slope, and gravity would do the hard work. But this meant that they would be completely silent, and occasionally somebody wouldn't hear it coming, ...and would be crushed by the weight of several tons of metal and its cargo of coal. There was also a lot of pit disasters in the area. Men and children as young as eight would go down into the dark, damp pits... ...and work by the light of a candle for long, hard hours. Pockets of gas would exist underground. The most dangerous of these being known as fire damp, which was mainly comprised of methane. And sadly, explosions would occur from time to time such as what occurred right here in 1833, 1837, and 1869. Hundreds of men and children were killed. Many were killed immediately, and others were slowly crushed to death by the cave-in, and others never found. Dying of injuries, lack of oxygen, starvation, whatever caught up with them first. Many bodies remained underground here, never recovered. We asked aloud for anybody with us to make their presence felt, it continued to get colder, despite the thermometer reading to the contrary. As my eyes had become accustomed to the darkness, i had seen light shining through underneath a huge double door opposite the main door to the building. I was fairly confident that this must lead outside, and this was almost certainly the cause of the draft we could all feel swirling around the room at ankle height.
2: Children on the site a lot, lot You know, the kids used to go down the mine, but because they were younger, they didn't have the concentration. And I don't a lot of accidents happened pop-up. where they would not be, um, they'd be distracted. Or you know, like if you put a seven-year-old in here, it made them
1: work. Well, when I was uh, writing my book and I was writing, I was doing a bit of research about this place. That was one of the things that I was told quite a lot by people I spoke to that. Children's laughing heard in some of the buildings. Why don't you come and play? I bet they're make some of these chains rattle.
2: I bet it would be really funny if you scared us. Rattle the chains are half, everybody jump. Any children here? You took on our our jumpers at the back. Let us know you are here. There's one story that's really sad. and it's true. Um, that there was a bit disaster, and the mother of the child kept coming back every day, and they never found the remains. Um, but she kept coming back to see. Um, she, was, she wouldn't accept that that kid was gone. Yeah. So the next day she was back. She was adamant that it was. And we found when We're going to pull them out of there. must have been devastating. have
0: been as a child. Wayne popped in to ask how we'd got on, but we had nothing to report. He said that he'd been in the furthest room, the meeting room, and they'd been doing table tipping, and had appeared to make contact with some children who said that they'd stay with us throughout the evening. As he spoke, Rob's torch went out completely and refused to turn back on. As we were chatting, Wayne said that he felt icy cold on his back. He asked for the torch as a couple of people had switched on to be turned off, and he spoke aloud, asking for anybody with us to make themselves known. After agreeing that it all felt a bit normal and flat, Wayne went back to check in on his group. Just after he left the room, our room was flooded by light, as Rob's torch suddenly turned itself back on. It reminded Richard of when we were at 35 Stonegate in York, This was one hell of a night that you can hear all about in March's Patreon special episode. And as we chatted, Wayne and Rob discussed our next move. We would head to the joiners' workshop. We left the blacksmith's shop to make our way to our next location, and as we walked along the gravel path, I looked up to the sky. The thunderstorm should have been in full force long before now, but it looked like we might have gotten lucky, and that the forecast had proven to be wrong one of the women who'd been part of our group for the investigation, passed comment about having listened to all of my podcast episodes. I was flattered. Then she mentioned that she listens to them going to sleep. She finds listening to voices of the likes of the astrologer and scientist Brian Cox, and natural historian David Attenborough-Soothing, and me, so it seems. We entered the joiner's workshop. This area was huge, and the lights in the room initially hurt my eyes, it was so bright. We were near the back of the large group, and by the time we entered, those who had came in first were already on their way up the wooden staircase to the far left of this huge workshop space. I looked around. There was all manner of machinery here. It was most certainly a workshop, and a lot of this equipment was clearly still functional. John, Rob and I chatted as Rich was taking a few photographs. Rob thought aloud. ...that since this is such a huge space, it would be better if some of us could stay downstairs while the others were upstairs. This way we could investigate more of the building, and also reduce the size of the groups. Elaine said this was fine, and by now the majority of the group led by Wayne had gone upstairs into a storage room. There were six of us left. Rob, John, Rich and I, and two female ghost hunters who were different from the ladies who had made up our team at the last location... When I got chatting to them, it was clear that they were both experienced in paranormal investigations and had joined Spiritus and other local groups on many investigations in some of the scariest places in the region.
1: What does that sign say?
0: I've had stuff to do there before. I've heard noises.
2: I've never actually been up there before, so. Are we all okay getting spread around the building? Um, yes, I we'll just will to get too spread out. Okay. Is that okay?
1: we'll yeah, yeah, that's fine. I promise. I think it's three quarters. Two
2: there. Get further away from them, so make
1: your a Yeah? What's this building? Workshop. Workshop. That's the word I was looking for. We're in the workshop, it's, uh, half nine.
0: We had a huge space downstairs to investigate. But with Wayne and the other 10 members of the group right above us, it was very noisy. So instead we passed through a doorway into another section of the workshop. It was in darkness. We all clicked on our torches, keeping them low to the ground. This helped us navigate safely around a bend to the right, and with every step we took the sound from the other group got quieter and quieter, until we could barely hear them at all. I'd also not been able to hear our own footsteps on the stone floor, as it was covered in a layer of sand. I chatted to Rich as we walked. I asked him if he'd overheard the news coming through the radios that Wayne and Rob were using to keep in touch with Liam and the Spirit Stalkers group elsewhere in the Railway Museum. They claimed to have actually seen some shadowy figures moving around in the building that they were in. I took a photo as we walked, and noticed that there was a fine mist in the image. I showed Rich and Rob, and we were trying to rationalise what it could be. It couldn't have been my breath, as it wasn't cold enough for my breath to be visible. When we reached the far end of the room, we stopped and spread ourselves out. Before turning off my torch, I took the opportunity to look around to see what was all around us. There was an enormous piece of machinery... I wasn't sure what it was used for, but as I illuminated it, Rob explained that they used this during the day for demonstrations for the visitors. There were some metalworking lathes which had been used recently, as there were metal shavings left all over, lying around on the equipment and littering the floor. Five of us stood perfectly still at the end of this long, narrow room. John, as he tends to do, stood well away from us, halfway down the room. He was maybe 15 feet away, but now the lights were off, I couldn't see him at all. The only light I could see was from a window at the bottom of the corridor which was just around a bend. If I was to step to my left ever so slightly, I wouldn't have been able to see it at all. I was very cold. I didn't know it at the time, but there was a huge door out of the building just behind the large piece of machinery which was right behind me. This would almost certainly account for the cold air which was swirling around me. Rob suggested that we try asking out to see if we could coax anyone with us to let us know.
2: So, this is
1: like a
0: weed suck that the So,
1: like, get it on your shoes, it's like sand. Oh, yeah. So, at least you know you'll hear somebody walking around because so you're doing sand and Oh, yeah, there's sand on the floor. Mm-hmm. Sand on the floor? Mm-hmm. It's massive, this film, isn't it? Yeah. Did he hear you say that I've been getting figures in the other boat? hmm I look forward to getting over there. Yeah. Because we never really seen it before. I said this is quite lucky as well, though. Mm-hmm. It looks like it should be. Yeah. Good job, look at that.
0: Mm-hmm. Is
1: that just... what's this? don't know. Yeah. Like a mist, is it? No, oh. You got me. I don't know, I took a photo, I mean it might just be the way that it works when you haven't got the uh, flash on, but, like I don't know what this stuff is here in the foreground. Like a mist? Yeah.
2: Because it's not really breath. No. So I came here last year and I heard, of, like, I mean, the staff that stood outside the door so they weren't, like, knew it wasn't them. Yeah, yeah. But there was, like, a, some, like, block of wood or something. Like, wooden made a clunk while I was in here. I, I was probably, like, where there was two people on that. Yeah. And it sounded like there was damage in it, but...
1: It's huge, this building. Yeah. I think we've lost, uh John, down at the bottom. Yeah. Oh, we'll I hope we see some figures.
2: Let's say um, the other group over there, radio at and says, "Are you getting anything?" I said, "No, it's quiet. We've seen like movement in the shadows and all sorts." Wow.
1: It's freezing a bit. You can't hear that, that mm-hmm. be when you come it in the you it's here. When you come in the daytime, you have
2: know, like this machine running. Mm-hmm. They do, like, proper demonstrations of it, so it um, still works. What's it
1: use? Well, what do they do with it? What
2: is it for? It spins, That spins around. Yeah. And, um, Does it power this? Is that real?
1: It's a, it's a, it makes it's it. see all the of Yeah, there's bits yeah. of metal on here as well. Mm. Mm. i not like, the, the, the leaves on the mic. Oh, they what? The doors. What? No, it's yeah. Oh, really Yeah,
2: everybody.
1: Mm-hmm. Right, give some call
0: out? Yeah. Right, yeah, Rob started speaking, and immediately a sound was heard, like a shuffle. It came from the far end of the room we were in, beyond John, down to where none of our group were situated. I hadn't heard it, but some of the others clearly had. Rob asked for anyone with us who might have made the sound to do something else. What was that? one of the girls asked. Again, I wasn't sure what all the excitement was about, but John had seen it too. It was a light moving rapidly across the floor in the centre of the room. We tried to work out what it could be. There was a window, so perhaps it was the headlights of a car shining past as it went in a certain direction. We waited, listening for traffic outside, and when we could hear them approaching, we watched. And sure enough, it appeared that the mystery had been solved. One of the girls said that it could be her imagination, but she thought she had seen a figure. I commented on how much I hated it in here. In hindsight, this was the wrong choice of words. I loved being in here. I was in my element. I was stood in the darkness with like-minded ghost hunters, uncertain of what was going to happen. What I actually felt was anxious, and I couldn't quite put my finger on why.
2: Okay, so we are just... Having a little look around your building, trying to see if we can communicate with any spirits in here. Oh,
1: so, that was my touching my glasses. Buddy. No, it wasn't. It was Delmer. From down, mm-hmm. down there. definitely. Like what kind of sound? Like a tapping noise or something.
2: That was someone making a noise. Can you do it again? Can you repeat this? Did...
1: what... was that... did you see the light? Yeah. Because, is it a door? There's a door there. Right, okay. It's probably just a carbon pass the It's at the top of the door. Yeah. Mm, well... I can see the light at the bottom of the door. you seen the bottom
2: no, of the, the door. Yeah. I, I saw the top. I side. seen the window. It was ah oh,
1: there. Uh, see, uh, see the, the light just going past the window there, didn't they? Mm-hmm.
2: What? What was the light on the floor? What? Yeah.
1: Did you see that? I saw that.
2: Yeah. Saw Wait a minute. See what this card cr- does. Cr- 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 through the window there. On the floor. Uh
1: huh. But I don't know.
2: What was that on the floor?
1: I don't know. I saw that.
0: Rob asked for anybody with us to copy him. He knocked twice we all heard two clear knocks in response. We tried again, we got nothing. We tried again, and there was two more knocks. Then they just kept on coming. Not every time, but there appeared there must be something going on. After one particularly loud pair of knocks, Rob insisted it must be the other group upstairs. But as I looked up to the ceiling of the room we were in, it was clear that there was no first floor above us. The other group were upstairs, but they were around the corner. They couldn't have been far enough around for us to hear them. I was convinced of that. If there was a natural explanation for it, it was unlikely to be our fellow ghost hunters elsewhere in the building. We heard some more knocks. These coincided with a vehicle going past. I suggested perhaps as a manhole cover or drain on the road. And the two knocks could be a vehicle going past. The first knock being when the front wheels go over it, and then the second knock being when the back wheels go over it. Rob said that on break, he might go on Google Earth and see if he could find anything on the road outside that could be causing these sounds.
2: Can you make a tap like this?
1: Well, there was a the tap.
2: That's going to be upstairs.
1: I heard that no, noise before. Above us. And again. That's that. that seemed really close, didn't it?
2: There's nothing up there? No, there's nothing above us. If that was you, can you do it again? Copy this noise. Make two sounds. Can you copy them as best you can?
1: Oh. Oh, so i heard yeah. two taps. No, but I that. I heard two knocks as well. Two taps. Okay, if that was
2: you, just for verification, can you do this just as I do my knocks? I'll do two knocks, then you do yours. Are you still able to do that. I'll try it again. There's soapy in here. Or Norman. That bang was strange because there's nothing up there. No. And it was like it was coming from up there. Sounds like it was hitting the wall. All that thing up there is just there. Like stairs that they went up was, like a to be wooden. Like, that's like, be added later, I think. Uh-huh. So, I don't
1: know. Like, it's quite a way away though, isn't it? The wolf walks quite away from the mapping
2: again you can hear you and it's a good thing so if you're happy to communicate with us this could be a way that you could talk to us um, this is the sound can you copy it Do you not hear I heard two knocks there
1: two knock? yes. It's the bus or whatever that was Going past I think it sounded like a truck I wonder right. if there's like a I wonder if there's a um, Manhole like a manhole cover or something On the road and when it's the vehicles are going over the top of it Because it would be you would get two knocks If it was the front wheel and the back wheel
2: Yeah that mm. makes sense But maybe it's in a place where they're not hitting it every time so certain yeah. vehicles are hitting it But then is it when there's nothing going past at all Or is it just when they go past I don't need two
1: knocks there, like.
2: There could be, like. I think like
0: that you was see. The, the, I we'll we'll really can't. Uh, no. no. Not, not, now. not now. I don't now. Do
1: you
2: sit then? No, No. No. <laughs> uh, we're getting some good stuff at the minute, so we're probably going to hold on for a few minutes. Uh, outside, but obviously, we're not in a place where you're going to serve something if you wanted to go to the break. that, we're having a quick break now, but now, eh? During the break I'll go on, because obviously not be able people go outside, but uh-huh. I might go on my Google Earth or something and just look to see if it's in the Yeah. <coughs>
0: Good idea,
2: no. What was it like working in here? This was where you were... you like that the museum demonstrates how your work equipment used to work?
1: I wonder if it's just on one side of the road it depends on what way the traffic's Mm gone or if it's like in the middle of the
2: road but there when you're going to hit it at the wheels of positions of neither certain
1: yeah. it's something to bear in mind at least I mean if we heard it when there wasn't any traffic going past then perfect
2: I'm trying to think now like when we did hear it
1: I don't know was there
2: anything going past So you recording, recording it yeah so you, you when you listen back
1: to it yeah because yeah, that's what I was thinking I know I think Richard's recording as well aren't you
0: yeah I was recording and as you'll have just heard, I captured all of these knocks, including the first pair. Let's have a listen again.
2: Can you make a tap like this?
1: Well, there that was, was a tap. tap. That's
2: going to be a I heard that but noise before.
1: And again. What's
0: that? As you'll have heard, these knocks came when there was no traffic passing. So if the traffic wasn't to blame, who or what was. We asked aloud again for anybody with us to make themselves known. I felt an involuntary shiver pass through me. We got some more responses to knocks, but these did seem to coincide with the traffic. Rob thought aloud, as to whether the other group might have been to blame in some way. It was impossible to rule out, of course, but given that we didn't hear them at all, it seemed so unlikely. Rob's torch suddenly stopped working again, and at exactly the same time Rich asked if I'd just made a noise. Other members of the group had heard it too. I had no idea what he was talking about. He said it sounded like a metallic sound. Rob said that he thought it sounded like one of the little metal pieces left over on the tools from the metalwork hitting the ground. We dropped one, and I said I didn't hear anything. Everybody else immediately said that it sounded exactly like what they had heard. I dropped another one. I heard it. I returned back to the spot I'd been stood, and I shone my torch on the ground. But there was nothing on the ground anywhere near me, and none of the tools with the metal pieces were within reach of me, so I couldn't have knocked anything by accident. Could it just have been something that was close to falling anyway and happened to drop through nothing paranormal or unusual? We asked aloud for it to happen again, but it didn't. We headed back along the corridor to see what the other group were up to, as Liam's group had radioed through to say they'd gone on break. So with things having quieted down, it was time to return to base. When we reached the main area of the workshop, it was clear that we were all alone. There was no group upstairs. They'd left. At almost exactly 10 o'clock, we exited through the noisy sliding metal door out of the joiners' workshop and back into the chilly night's air for the short walk back to the building we'd received our briefing in. Is it died? No way. My
2: phone battery drained when
1: I got in, um, it in, it in the <laughs> Rob over You are? Yeah. Uh, did, did you hear anything behind you, Rob? No, what it sound like. You hear, like a, a clunk, I think they're really high pitched. Like a metal? Yeah. No, I never heard anything. That's
2: what I felt like I could hear before like cooling down of things yeah thumps and things like
1: that. That's what I thought I could hear before over here over here. Do you know what I sounded like? Sounding like there's
2: little
1: metal. Something like ground off over here. Oh, yeah. Oh, like I mean, the
2: little remnants
1: when it. I don't think they'd make a noise on the sand, though. I mean, there's an easy way to find out, isn't there? There is. Oh, yeah. See, you can't hear that. just heard that. Didn't I I that Did, you? Did you? That's exactly really? what I heard. I heard it. All oh, right, yeah, yeah, you can. i take it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that you hear? That's the noise I've heard.
0: As we walked and chatted, Rob mentioned that Elaine had told him that locals see spirits walking across the railway crossing in Springwell village. A few minutes later, we were back at base for a break. The room was full with the majority of the investigators on site, with the exception of those standing outside the grounds of Bowes to have a smoke or a vape. I was amazed to see John eating an apple. This might not sound like anything out of the ordinary, but I've known him for almost 25 years now, and every time we go anywhere, He always has an apple in his bag, but I joke that I've never actually seen him eat an apple. I treated myself to a tonic's caramel wafer from the very generous array of snacks and drinks that Spiritus had put on for us, and John Rich and I chatted with Wayne and Rob, discussing previous investigations, sharing stories, and making the most of our downtime before the next part of our night would get underway. And that's also where we're going to take a break as part one of this Bowes Railway investigation special comes to an end. But across the next two episodes, there's so much more to come. As next week, you'll hear what happened, we'll be going to see the Brakeman's Hut, and investigate the wagon shop. But don't forget, if you want to get access to the entirety of our Bowes Railway Museum adventure right now, with extra audio, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash
1: pod. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. You can follow How Haunted on Twitter at, at Howe Haunted Pod or over on Instagram at Howe Haunted Pod where you will see photos galore relating to our investigation at the Bowes Railway Museum. If you want to get in touch, you can do so by visiting the website at www.how-haunted.com, or you can email me at rob at how-haunted.com. If you'd like to support the show, you can sign up to one of three Patreon tiers. They start at as little as £1, and there's currently a free 7-day trial for anybody signing up to the £3 tier. On the £3 tier, you can get early ad-free access to episodes, and a monthly bonus episode where I conduct a paranormal investigation, which this month, is the extended edition of the Bowes Railway Museum, just in time for spooky season, covering the entire night in one epic episode, which includes almost three and a half hours of audio from the night itself. And speaking of Halloween, I have something very special lined up next month for the Patreon episode for the scariest time of the year. You can also get yourself some How Haunted merch, including a mug and a t-shirt. Find out more at patreon.com forward slash pod. If you'd like to support the show but you aren't a fan of Patreon, why not donate £2 at buymeacoffee.com forward slash pod. All the information and links are in this podcast episode description. If you've enjoyed this episode then please consider leaving a review on your podcast provider of choice. It really does help other people to find how haunted. Next time out our investigation at the Bose Railway continues as we visit the Brakeman's Hut and then the Wagon Shop. Join me next week to see what happens in part two of our Bose Railway Museum Investigation Special. Thank you so much for accompanying me on our paranormal adventures once again. Stay safe and join me next time but we will once again ask the question how haunted